0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's word together. Glad to have you with us. Hey Caitlin. Good morning, Lewis. Hey, Megan. Oink. You are correct. The Lord Jesus reigns. Therefore, it is a good day. It is a beautiful day. So celebrate. Rejoice. Be glad. Fear not. Jesus made this day. It's gonna be a good one. Martha says, Morning trying to keep up. <laughs> Thank you for the kind words there. Uh, yeah, you're uh, you're everyone's trying to keep up here. this is a this is a tough section. and we've come to that portion of Romans 11 where well, it's just uh, it's it's hard, it's controversial and we make it harder than it needs to be. Here is the statement and so all Israel, will be saved. And as you listen to teachers, preachers, pastors, read commentaries, which you're not going to do, are you, Edgar? Uh, You find all kinds of different views on this. And a lot of times the discussion goes to something like election, all elect Israel will be saved, and... The deduction is that it's all the true Israel, including the church. But as I'll try to show you, I don't see anything in this context that would take us away from ethnic Israel as the meaning of Israel. In fact, just the opposite. I think the context requires that Paul is still referring to descendants of Jacob. And then there's a question of timing, because we have this phrase right before verse 26 and verse 25, we have until the fullness of the nations or the fullness of the Gentiles may come in. And so that introduces all sorts of questions. Like if you come from a dispensational perspective, then the fullness of the nations or fulfillment of the Gentiles is when this Gentile church age is over, the church is gonna be raptured, and then God's gonna save Israel. And those from the reformed covenant perspective, the Amel perspective, basically, all the non dispensationalists say no, 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 that's not true. But when the last elect Gentile comes to faith, then we're gonna be near the end, near the return of Christ, and there's gonna be this mass influx of ethnic Jews to the church, they believe the gospel, and in that way, all Israel will be saved when God is done saving the Gentiles, then Israel is going to have a huge conversion rate at the end. So if you start seeing Jews come to faith in droves, get ready, we might be at the end. As you may deduce from my tone, I don't think that's it either. I think those are all driven by theology, not exegesis. So let me see if I can help you begin to formulate an opinion staying in the text. Okay. Uh, I don't think he leaves his concern for ethnic Israel in the first century. And I'm going to try to show you that. Now, we're not going to get through it all today. I'm going to go slow enough, hopefully, that you can stay with me and, and see the pieces for yourself so that even if I don't end up persuading you of this perspective, at least you could argue it. All right, deal. So give me a fair hearing and uh, see if I can convince you. And if I can't, that's fine. But uh, at least give it a fair hearing. I'm going to show you the best I can what I think is going on here. Caitlin says, I like your optimal view. Yeah, me too. Because I think it's biblical and it's certainly, if it's true, which I think it is, it's a good thing. All right. So remember the whole letter. The whole letter of Romans has been trying to help Roman believers, Gentile believers, to hold fast to the gospel in the face of. Jews who are trying to persuade them to be circumcised, keep the law, basically convert to Judaism because they claim to be the people of God. They have the law of God, the word of God, the promises of God. They have all this. So you Gentiles, uh, it's great that you believe in Jesus, but you need to come all the way to Moses and, and to the law. And so Paul is having to explain all the way through, no. Yes, the gospel was to the Jew first, but then it's to the Greek. And the Jews are no better off than the Gentiles in terms of their righteousness. Gentiles are unrighteous. Jews are unrighteous. They have not kept the law. Therefore, the law will condemn them. Even Abraham was not righteous through works of the law. He predated the law. No, he was righteous by believing the promise of God. All the way back to Adam, Adam sinned, and that brought the condemnation of death on all men. God gave the law to the Jews. Did they suddenly turn righteous? No, the law provoked sin. They became more wicked, and they're going to die in their sins just like the Gentiles. Now, in Christ, we are free from slavery to sin, and in Christ, the Jews are no longer under the law. They're not in the flesh. They're not obligated to be circumcised and to keep the law. They've been freed from that. Now they have the spirit and they can walk in righteousness. And all of these promises, all the blessings are going to be fulfilled in those who are in Christ, believers, whether Jew or Gentile. So has God failed to keep his promise to Israel? No. Not all Israel is Israel. There was always a segment of descendants of Jacob who were God's chosen, the, the one who were the children of promise. And God is bringing these vessels of mercy from the Jews and from the Gentiles. And all the prophets talked about how God held out his hand to the Jews, but they were stiff-necked. They were, they were hard-hearted. They were unwilling to obey God, so God sends the Messiah, and they reject him. They put him on a cross. Why do they do that? Because God had hardened their hearts. He had blinded their eyes. He had caused their ears to go deaf, so they could not respond to the Messiah, accept him, and receive his righteousness. Right. So that's a that's a summary of everything that we've seen so far. Now, here in chapter eleven, Paul is concerned that the Romans don't become arrogant toward the Jews. It's what we saw yesterday, 1117. If certain branches were broken off and you Romans, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and became a fellow partaker of the root and of the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. Okay, so I've been warning you, Paul says, not to go the way of the Jew, not to give into the theology. They are outside of Christ. They are, set up, uh, they are cursed and cut off from Christ. But don't get arrogant. Don't boast. You'll say, though, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Right. By unbelief, they were broken off. And you, Romans, have stood by faith. Do not be high-minded, but be fearing, for if God did not spare the natural branches, Israel, lest perhaps he will also not spare you. If you become arrogant and stop believing, God will cut you off too. Behold then the goodness and severity of God on those indeed who fell, Israel, severity. On you, Romans, goodness. If you remain in the goodness, Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Do not be arrogant. Do you see this? And those also, if they may not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Whoa. Now we have a little hope for the Jews. If they don't remain in unbelief, they can be grafted back in. If you, out of the... Olive tree wild by nature were cut out and contrary to nature were grafted into a good olive tree. How much rather they, who are according to nature, be grafted into their own olive tree. How easy would it be for God to bring them back? Four. I do not wish you to be ignorant, brothers. Now the brothers are the Romans. Before he used the word brothers to talk about the Jews, now he's talking to the Romans. I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be without knowledge, brothers, of this secret. Now that word in the Greek is the word musterion. Most of your translations have mystery. I like mystery because it's a transliteration. It keeps the idea of the Greek there. But I kind of like secret here too, in the literal translation. I'm sure I could ask Edgar the, the definition of mystery and he would get it just right. Anybody who took any of my classes at NCST had this pounded in their head. If you come to our home fellowship and ask anybody in our group what a mystery is, they will be able to tell you. In the Bible, something, yes, Lewis Lou, got it. A mystery is something that was hidden that has now been revealed. It's so important to get that that in mind. This is a crucial term in the scripture. And anytime you see the word mystery, or as the literal standard here says, secret, you need to think something that was hidden. It was there, but it was in hiding. It was covered over. You couldn't see it in its fullness. But now that Christ has come, the cover has been removed, and it's fully revealed and fully known. So he is Paul's concern here that the gentiles do not become arrogant and that they do not remain ignorant of something that was hidden that has now been revealed that you may not be wise in your own conceits. Do you see that? Do you see the concern after all of this talk of Israel's state and their hardened and they're rejected by the Messiah, and don't follow them and don't go with them. All of that, it'd be easy for the Gentiles to say, ha, we're so much better. Paul says, no, don't be conceited. Don't be arrogant. Don't boast. And don't be ignorant of this mystery. What's the mystery? What is Paul now taking the cover off of For all of us to see here it is that hardness in part to israel has happened until the fullness of the nations may come in and in this way all israel will be saved so what's now been revealed is this hardening of israel is partial which is, he's been saying that all along, right? There is a remnant, a small group within Israel that received the benefits of the Messiah, the rest were hardened. So they're hardened in part, that part of Israel are hardened because of God's justice, as we've seen again and again through these chapters but it's partial. There's a group that is not hardened and it's temporary. They're hardened until the fullness of the nations may come in. Whenever this fullness of nations come in, the hardening will be lifted. That's the implication. So we'll come back in tomorrow talk about what this fullness of nations mean and the, the timing. And then we'll look at uh, Isaiah. There's two prophecies here that are very important, but I want you to see where he's going because if we stop now and start wrestling with, well, who's all the Israel and what does the fullness mean and all this, you're going to possibly be carried astray because you don't have in mind where he's heading. So I want to walk through and see where he's heading so that we stay in the context Stay in the time frame and then tomorrow we'll come back and look at the fullness of the nations. So you see here, it's a partial hardening and it's temporary until the fullness comes in, fullness of Gentiles or nations. And so all Israel, hold on, Alfred, we'll get there. So all Israel will be saved according to It has been written, quote, there will come forth out of Zion, he who is delivering and he will turn away impiety from Jacob and to this, uh, the covenant from me, which I take away their sins. This is fascinating. We'll look at this probably tomorrow. If we don't get it to tomorrow, it'll be Monday. Fascinating how, what Paul, he does something very interesting with the uh, Hebrew text or the uh, Old Testament text here. Okay. As regards, indeed, the good tidings, the good news, the gospel, they, Israel, are enemies on your account. Alfred, hold on. We'll get there. Stay with me. As regards indeed the good tidings, the gospel, they, the Israelites, are enemies on your account. Now you see that they are here is in brackets, meaning it's not in the original, but it's implied, and the implication is present tense. So for Paul in his day, he's saying Israel, they are enemies. On your account, for you Romans, which is going back to what he said earlier, I will make the Jews jealous from another nation, right? He has turned from the Jews. He's hardened the Jews, except for the remnant, and turned the gospel to the nations, That makes the Israelites God's enemies in Paul's day for the sake of the Romans and other nations, other Gentiles. You following? As regards the good tidings, the gospel, they are enemies on your account. And the way this is phrased in the Greek, I wish none of our translations do this literally, which would be helpful. What he says is, according on the one hand to the gospel, They are enemies on your account. But on the other hand, as regards divine selection, they are beloved on account of the fathers. So Paul's talking about his day. Israelites are enemies of God, enemies of the gospel for the sake of the Gentiles and the gospel going to the Gentiles. But on the other hand, regarding God's election, they are beloved on account of the fathers, the patriarchs, probably. We'll come back and look at this in more detail, but just see the flow. Why? For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now, that's also very interesting. Uh, It's not quite the best translation, but we'll come back and look at that. But What he's saying is there are two perspectives here. On the one hand, Israel is enemy, uh, are enemies of God. On the other hand, they're beloved because God has called them. What does that mean? Well, he gives some explanation here. For as you, Romans, also once did not believe in God, but now have found kindness by the unbelief of these Jews. You see see that? You didn't believe, but because of the unbelief of the Jews, God has now turned His attention to you. So also these, Israel now did not believe that in your kindness they also may find kindness. So there's a, there's a symmetry here. God turned against Israel for the sake of you Gentiles, you Romans. And now because of the kindness he's shown you, and because the calling and the gifts are irrevocable, and because of his foreordained love for them, he is now going to show them kindness. Now you notice, I just said the word now here, and it's not in the literal translation. So these also now, the Israelites did not believe that in your kindness, they also find kindness. The implication is now, and many of the manuscripts actually include the word now. Your other translations like the NAS put it in here. So these also, the Israelites now have been disobedient. That now is clearly in all the manuscripts that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy." All right, so the timing of this is very important. All of this is present tense, current now language, tied to the fullness of the nations coming in and Israel being saved. Remember the hardening, it's partial and it's temporary. When the hardening has been lifted, then the implication is, Israel will be saved. So when is that? Well, again, you, if you're paying attention to the language I'm using, you know that I'm convinced that he means it when he says, now. I think the hardening lifted, and this is now getting back to, <laughs> to Alfred's question. The hardening was lifted in 70 AD. And you're going to say, what? There is nothing about 70 AD here. Oh, but there is. And I will show you that tomorrow and Monday. Do you see the flow? Do you see the the present tense, the, the current sense of how Paul is walking through this with them? That's why he's so concerned that the Romans don't become arrogant and conceited. He doesn't say, I don't want you Romans to be arrogant because in several thousand years, God's going to bring a bunch of Jews back. That doesn't make any sense. No, something's going to happen in Paul's day. And he doesn't want the Romans to be arrogant. Do you see the tension here? Kind of a a shepherd's heart. On the one hand, do not give in to the Jews. Do not accept their theology, do not submit to the law, don't become in the flesh circumcised under the law. They're enemies, they've rejected Messiah, they're cut off, but don't become conceited. Because there's about to be something that will change your perspective. All right, uh, back to Bible. I wonder if all the remnant in Paul's day immediately accepted Christ or was there a delay of the full remnant coming in for the point of the gospel going out? Um, Does that question assume a fixed number remnant? as though I don't think that's the point. I don't think the point is a closed number as much as a part in contrast to the whole. So yeah, I don't, it's possible. I don't, uh, I don't know if that's the emphasis. Uh, Alfred says, I believe it has been lifted now. Well, we'll see if, uh, see what the rest of the verses indicate. Edgar says, interesting, never heard anyone teach this section like this. But do you see it? I'm just walking through the text, right? Do you see it? Lon says, wouldn't it be amazing if God one day revealed why he chose you and me who are without any righteousness or merit, just like those he hardened? Yeah. uh, Yeah, it would be. Alfred, if so, then there will be no future mass conversion of ethnic Israel in the future. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to comment on that until we until we get through. Uh, back to Bible. Paul did not immediately accept Christ. Uh, it didn't immediately until Christ confronted him, right? On the road. Um, yeah, okay. So, keep reading this section. Uh, if you want to get a head start on tomorrow, read the the reference here from Isaiah 59, and see how Paul uses it, you'll be in a better position there to see a twist that Paul brings uh, to the text. All right, we're going to leave it there. Have a great day. And we'll see you tomorrow as we continue to work through this passage. Take care.